Hey, real quick, this is Josh from Bottom Shelf Bitcoin. Um, the episode you're about to listen to, I just want to apologize up front. The audio on my end somehow got garbled. Um, I think it's still something you can listen to and figure out what I'm saying, but it's just not the most pleasant thing to listen to. But I think the quality of the interview was really good. Um, I mean, the, the conversation itself, the content was really good. And um, the the things that... Um, they're doing at Rise Wallet are really great. And so I just, I couldn't scrap the interview and scheduling makes it really difficult to reschedule these kinds of things. So I appreciate your patience in bearing with me through um, listening to my side, but um, yeah, enjoy anyways. With that said, you're listening to Bottom Shelf Bitcoin. This is episode 47. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bottom Shelf Bitcoin, the podcast that puts Bitcoin knowledge within everyone's reach. As always, I'm your host, Josh Humphrey, and today with me is Milian from Rise Wallet, and we're going to talk about uh, his background and about Rise and their voucher system as well. Milian, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. So um, I, uh, I tried Rise out uh i don't know like a week or so ago and uh it seems like a pretty smooth process so um how how long or you know what let's back up i said we were gonna do let's do your background first so uh kind of what's what's your background and how did you get into bitcoin sure sounds sounds good um so i'm fairly new to bitcoin um i got into bitcoin in 2017 so uh, for uh, all intents and purposes, I'm, I'm the new guy here. Um, uh, my background is software. I've been a software entrepreneur for 20 years. Uh, my specialty is enterprise software. Uh, so I've been building products and, and building companies for, for about 20 years. Um, my last company was acquired by Microsoft in 2015. Um, at that point, I co-founded Microsoft's uh, Dev Center in Toronto and uh, led it for two years. And when I completed my Microsoft contract in 2017, um, by that time, it was a fairly long grind for me, um, you know, building multiple startups, getting acquired and, you know, running like a fairly substantial operation at Microsoft. Um, so I was quite tired and I thought, uh, hey, maybe maybe this is it for me. Maybe I'll uh, stop here and I'll retire or, or at least take a very long sabbatical. And I decided to kind of move on to other things that are kind of not tech related at all. Um, so I found myself with uh, a bunch of free time on my hands in 2017. Uh, and, you know, you, you kind of it's it's a pretty big switch from the lifestyle I had previously. You open your calendar, it's empty. <laughs> uh, so that, <laughs> that looks good for for a little while, but then uh, you you kind of uh, your mind starts looking for for kind of food. Um, so I decided, uh, well, let's take a closer look at Bitcoin and blockchain and all these other things. I've been kind of just keeping a sort of a casual eye on over the years i never really had the time to um you know properly uh 
dive in and uh, you know really uh, take a closer look and understand uh, this technology and this phenomenon. So um, yeah, in in early 2017, um, I decided to dive in and I thought uh, I'm just going to go in and learn everything there is to know about it. And I thought maybe a couple of weeks should do it. Um, a couple of weeks of full-time uh, kind of uh, attention. And yeah, that was two years ago. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm still yeah. Having, having trouble keeping up with all, all the uh, new stuff and, and uh, still learning quite a bit. Um, so in the process of uh, digging deeper and trying to f- truly understand this phenomenon, uh, my mind was blown in kind of on multiple occasions and i realized at some point that something really profound is unfolding here uh, specifically around bitcoin uh so it's at that point where that i kind of decided okay i can't really sit on the sidelines and just watch all of this unfold um, i'm gonna see if there's a way i can help uh so uh, it took me a while to kind of uh, figure out uh, how I, I want to kind of step in and participate, but basically that's how I got into Bitcoin. Very cool. So um, I guess what was, so as far as Rise, did, what what was the, what am I trying to say here? Which, which part of it came first for you, or at least desire-wise, like the wallet itself or the voucher? Right. Uh, by the way, we don't refer to our product as a voucher. It, it's okay. a card, and I'll explain maybe the difference a little bit later. But sure. um, yeah, so just like uh, most uh, Bitcoiners, I went through a similar process where you kind of, once you realize what Bitcoin is, uh, you want to tell everybody, right? So, so I'm sure we went through all of that and you want to help your friends and family kind of uh, first understand this and you want to help onboard them. And I realized that the process of onboarding new people to Bitcoin is, is quite terrible. Um, <laughs> and uh, as I was helping people out and, and kind of getting, getting into this, I, I was thinking that, there needs to be a, an easier way to kind of onboard a brand new user to Bitcoin. For and, sure. Uh, the, 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 well, first of all, like well over 90% of people have never held Bitcoin, right? So, so I identified that as a potential uh, target market, right? Um, the vast majority of the people have never touched this. They're mostly curious about this. Um, but uh, never had the time uh, to to actually go through it, and then the remaining, you know, five percent or 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 so that are kind of that, that do have experience with this. Most of most of those users went through an exchange uh, to get started, right? Like so, most people who uh, are in this space started off by basically creating a bank account with the exchange, like submitting all of their personal information, uh, going through the KYC process, and then, uh, you know, maybe bought some coins at the exchange. And unfortunately, the the majority of them end up leaving their coins at the exchange. 
uh, never actually taking, truly taking ownership uh, of, of their funds. So I, I kind of looked at all of that and I, I thought, okay, well, um, I'd like to create something that improves this situation. Uh, so um, the goal with the gift card was to use a familiar form factor uh, that everybody knows how to use. Uh, we've all, you know, everybody knows how to buy a gift card, right? So we buy a, a gift card and then uh, in order to provide a great onboarding experience, uh, we, uh, we want to have a bit fully featured non-custodial Bitcoin wallet, uh, which is connected with our system in a way that knows which gift card has been activated. So the user, the user experience for the user would be to just like buy a gift card, download a Rise Wallet app from the App Store, scan the code, and receive Bitcoin. So this uh, UX is much simpler once you are holding the card it's extremely simple to uh, get set up um, and it kind of teaches you how to get started with bitcoin w properly uh, by that specifically i mean um by holding your own coins because you get custody of the coins and we uh, walk you through the process of uh backing up your private key and stuff like that. And two, by preserving your privacy. So if you're only getting started, if you're only, uh, you know, dealing with like 25 bucks worth of Bitcoin or 100 bucks worth of Bitcoin, you don't have to go through the full KYC process. So we thought that this, um, that this approach is more in line with the Bitcoin ethos and uh, it would help new users understand basically the differences between Bitcoin and the traditional uh, financial systems. Yeah, that's that's really great because, um, yeah, like you said, my first my first experience was with Coinbase, and then I take that back. My first experience was downloading a wallet and then a friend sending me some. And then when I wanted more, I had to go through the whole KYC process with Coinbase. And, um, and then based on uh, Coinbase's politics, then I changed and wanted to go with someone else. But then that was a hassle because then I had to do, you know, KYC all over again. Um, so yeah, this, this is a, a really great approach. Um, and uh, just for, for full transparency, I, I had um, reached out to you to do the interview and just having kind of seen it and having talked with Matt O'Dell about, about it. But then, um, you know, you sent me uh, the, sorry, I was going to say voucher again, gift card. And uh, just so I could try it out all the way. And it, it is, it's a really smooth process. Um, so... So where where is this available right now, versus uh, and then and then what's the timeline on or or what's your plan to get it into other markets? Well, first of all, thanks very much for that comment. I really appreciate it. That's kind of uh, the reason we created the pro the product to make things smooth, and it's very good to hear for, uh, you know 
first-hand uh, kind of feedback from the users and a confirmation that, in fact, it is uh, a smooth way to get um, onboarded. Um, so you asked about uh, the, where, where the card is available right now. So we have a, s- a small set of locations in Toronto uh, where we kind of rolled out the pilot a couple months ago. Uh, by the way, we published the list of locations on our website at risewallet.com slash locations. So at any given point, the users will know the locations where our product is available. Uh, we're looking to expand that to a few hundred locations uh, in uh, Canada and US uh, by the end of the summer. That That is the right, uh, that, that is the, the rough timeline. And then uh, through partnerships with uh, actual gift card distribution companies, we're looking to um, expand our reach quite a bit uh, beyond that. Um, the uh, first uh, gift card distribution company that we uh, have an arrangement with is uh, called Atlantic Prepaid. And just uh, yesterday, actually, our product is available uh, in their corporate incentives bulk catalog, where corporations buy uh, gift cards for their employees, customers, whoever they, they want to incentivize in bulk. Uh, so this is the first time that our card is kind of uh, listed in the same catalog as uh, all the other gift cards. Uh, so pretty excited about that and looking to expand the reach uh, to many more retail locations in the coming months. Awesome. So um, you had said earlier that there's a, what's the specific reason why, why you call it a gift card and not a voucher? Did you mention that already or did, did I miss that? Oh, yes. Okay. So this is uh, an important point. Um, While the kind of high-level approach would be similar uh, between vouchers and gift cards, there are some important differences. Uh, First of all, our product is designed to work as a gift. Uh, The voucher systems that we've uh, been able to observe kind of assume a certain level of familiarity with Bitcoin. They assume that you already have a wallet. They, they kind of, uh, in my opinion, there it, it would be difficult for a brand new user to get a voucher and kind of uh, get signed up. They would need to do quite a bit of homework on their own in terms of uh, researching wallets and things like that. Um, our product is designed for first-time users. Uh, predominantly. So uh, the entire UX of the product, starting with a card, the way we've designed the card and the way we uh, communicate a number of messages on the card, as well as the wallet onboarding process that um, takes the user from scanning the code all the way up to backing up their key. This entire UX has been designed for first-time users in mind so that you can... um, you can literally, if you want to help somebody get onboarded to Bitcoin, you can literally hand over the gift card and you will know they will be okay. That's the only thing that you need to do. That, that, that was our objective. And we've done quite a bit of user testing prior to launching the product. And we've done many iterations of the card itself, as well as uh, the wallet application before we were able to consistently get 
good results uh, with uh, new users uh, in terms of their ability to get onboarded. And specifically, we were looking at uh, the following things. Number one, when a user picks up the card, just by looking at the card, they, it needs to be obvious to them what this is, what it is that they're buying, and how it's how it's going to work, roughly. Uh, that's actually tougher than you, you might think. Many initial iterations of the card itself didn't quite hit the mark. Uh, again, we're dealing with brand new users who haven't been exposed to this, who might have heard of Bitcoin, but, you know... Uh, don't know the specifics of how it works. So, so, check so your go ahead. Uh, so what kind of, is it design elements or what is it about it that, that caused you to go through multiple iterations? It is design and content and how you structure the product overall. Uh, our initial kind of naming and branding had uh, was, uh, the approach was revolving around the word card. Uh, it, the product was called in our initial kind of iterations, it was called a rise card, actually. And uh, some examples of you know people not really picking this up properly would be, okay, what's this card? So this is, there's some Bitcoin on this card. Is that your Bitcoin, your specific Bitcoin that you're creating, uh, is the, as in a custom coin, which was terrifying to hear, of course. Um, so it was when we decided to uh, revolve the, the, the branding around the wallet itself. So uh, everything is now branded. Our main brand is Rise Wallet. Um, and the way we presented on the card, uh, along with other messaging, became obvious that, ha, I'm buying Bitcoin. And yes, this there's this other thing that's a wallet that seems logical that I would need a wallet in order to hold Bitcoin. So it was after a few iterations of the card like that, that it just started clicking for people. Um, um, so that was check number one that we wanted to check off in our user testing. Uh, they understand that they're buying Bitcoin and they understand how to pay for it and they, that they'll need to download Rise Wallet in order to redeem. Um, Check number two is that everybody's able to actually redeem. And that was, we were able to get there pretty quickly because the whole product revolves around that. Check number three is that everybody ends up backing up their private key after they redeem. And that took some, uh, that took a few iterations because people start clicking around, they start doing other things and, uh, you really want them to back up their key before doing other things. So we had a few iterations there. Uh, I was going to say, uh, if I could real quick, I, I was really impressed with that part, actually, because I didn't immediately back mine up. I was playing around, and every time I backed out to the main screen, it has this, I think it vibrates the phone, and then it, it has like a flashing red, like it, it's going to keep bugging you until you back that back it up. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly uh, the kind of the feature we added as we were iterating through these user testing sessions. And we realized that um, too many people were not backing up their key. Um, so it seems like we hit the right uh, balance there where we want to let you continue to use the wallet temporarily while the key is not backed up. There are some use cases where that's um, that's needed. Uh, but we do want to be in your face and kind of bother you until uh, you actually, you, it should be obvious that you, you're not done setting up. 
So the final uh, check that we wanted to uh, kind of uh, ensure that people go through is understanding what the key is for, understanding what just happened, basically. And uh, this is really tough. So, so to get to, to get all of these four points uh, done in a way where you know there's there's zero touch, basically, you're just hand. The only thing you're doing is handing the card to the to a brand new user, and you expect them to understand what the card is, understand, uh, be able to redeem, back up their key, and understand why they need the key and the, the, understand the fact that they are now sovereign, basically, by holding their key. Um, so I must say that we're not at the 100% percentile, basically, uh, with that this last step. Probably about 10% of people go through this whole thing and end up there backing up their key and don't quite understand what the key was for. Uh, so we still have work to do, but we thought uh, the product is kind of uh, smooth enough and effective enough to uh, launch version 1.0. And from here, we'll keep iterating. So how do you how do you test those things? You're saying about ten percent. Do you just pull people off the street into a room and and hand it to them and say have at it and then ask questions at the end or what do you do? Uh, yeah, so we we do rounds of user testing and every every user testing session is fairly controlled. So we have our spreadsheet of the kind of things that we're measuring. Uh, we try to, we uh, the, the process is such that we don't provide any upfront information about this, and uh, the user sits at the table and we kind of describe uh, that uh, you know we we, we uh, present them with a card and we say pretend you're at the store and you just picked up this card, and then give us your feedback, kind of stream of consciousness uh, style. And we just sit there and listen and take notes, and we try to understand where people are getting confused or where, where uh, they're not, uh, where our message is not clear enough. So uh, then we say, okay, when that part of the session is over, uh, let's now pretend that you bought the card and you're you're you made it home, and now you're trying to redeem it and get set up. And again, we basically sit quietly while the user uh, kind of goes through the flow and we take notes. And then when it's all done, we ask a series of questions. Um, and that's basically it. And then for each user, I, I forgot to mention, for each user, we uh, we take kind of the level of proficiency in terms of overall tech as well as prior exposure to Bitcoin or crypto and things like that so that we know how things compare. Gotcha. Um, let's see, what was I going to ask? Oh, I, I, this was all a long, long-winded answer to your question of how is this different from um, from a voucher. So I oh, yeah, it, yeah. the first difference is uh, this is a, a gift card it's designed to onboard new user, new users, not just the gift card, but the entire product. Uh, the second major difference is that the product is designed to plug into existing gift card distribution networks, uh, which are quite formidable. 
um, throughout this kind of uh, as, as I got deeper into this, I real I only realized then how uh, extensive these gift card distribution networks are, uh, and the whole gift card industry is growing quite rapidly so they're becoming more prevalent there are more uh, more and more retail locations that offer gift card racks and uh, our product is designed uh, to perfectly fit within uh, those networks logistically uh, so that uh, if we're able to um, close the right deal with the right uh, distributor uh, we should be able to scale fairly quickly uh, to many thousands of locations. So it, it's, it's basically those two um, main characteristics that make uh, our product different from just vouchers. Well, it's very exciting because I feel like um, as someone in the U.S., I, I look around and I see these other things popping up in other places and I, you know, I, I'm envious, I guess, or or whatever. Like I, I, I want those here, and we haven't been able to because it seems like um, the regulatory hurdles are um, too difficult, at least to be a, a an initial market. So, um, but you're but you're thinking by by leveraging these um, gift card distributors, you can get into the U.S. market fairly quickly. So uh, our first foray into the U.S. market would be through an actual retail chain that we do a direct uh, deal with, not through a gift card distributor. And um, in the long run, obviously, we would uh, our, our goal is to go through distributors. Um, as far as regulatory constraints, um, it really doesn't matter whether you're going through a distributor or going directly. There's there are some laws that you need to be compliant with, and uh, we're quite satisfied that our, our overall approach ensures that we indeed would be compliant with uh, the relevant laws. We can dig deeper into that if you're interested. Sure. Yeah. Let's go into that. So. Um, Again, we're all offering a KYC-less product for get, letting people onboard, getting onboarded to Bitcoin. And we wanted to make sure that we do that in a legally compliant way so that we don't get immediately shut down after launch. Um, in Canada, we're working with a top five law firm uh, on this product, and we're working with their crypto specialists, and gift card law specialists. There is such a thing, if you can, uh, if you can believe that. Um, and uh, we also have a U.S. law firm that also specializes in crypto and prepaid products. So, so we feel that we uh, uh, have quite extensive legal advice on this product. Uh, I don't need to get into all of the details, but just kind of well, I'll maybe talk about it at the high level. Sure. Um, we wanted to... To be legally compliant, we wanted to make sure that our the foundation of our product is such that we, number one, are fair and transparent to our users. So we're uh, fundamentally offering a product that which is fair. And number two, that our product is useless for money laundering or any other kind of uh, 
criminal activity. So th- th- that's the foundation that uh, we uh, build up our kind of legal thesis on. Um, maybe I'll talk about this second part about the product being useless for mon- money laundering. Um, since we controlled the entire part, the, the entire redemption cycle, so we controlled the entire product stack from actually producing and printing the cards and generating all the codes on them to the wallet application itself, which must be used to initiate the redemption. We don't impose our wallet on the people if they don't want to use our wallet, as, as you know. Uh, but the redemption itself must be initiated through Rise Wallet for regulatory reasons. And then we have our own uh, redemption server and uh, backend connectivity to exchanges. So we, we uh, are in full control over the over the entire redemption cycle, uh, which allows us to enforce certain daily maximums. And currently, the daily redemption maximum is two hundred and fifty dollars per user, um, and we're we're able to quite successfully enforce those uh, maximums. And the amounts are such that keep us well below uh, the thresholds, which would typically be um, considered problematic uh, for money laundering applications. Um, So, and we implement a number of safeguards in the system to ensure that this is in fact the case. And this is an interesting situation because uh, we predominantly do so, like do, do implement these quite extensive safeguards within the entire system in order to protect ourselves from fraud. Um, and uh, it just so happens that our own interests are aligned with those of regulators in this particular uh, instance, uh, because we are trying to prevent exactly the same thing that they're trying to prevent. Um, so we're quite confident that we created a product which makes it very easy for regular people to buy small amounts of Bitcoin in private and get onboarded to Bitcoin in the right way, while at the same time being completely useless for money laundering and other criminal activities. And you say that because because the uh, the amounts are low enough that that that's not something someone's going to be using to to do money laundering, et cetera, with. Exactly. It's like so impractical, basically impossible to do any meaningful uh, amounts that would be needed for money laundering uh, um, that the product is completely useless for that. Okay, when you said that it that it uh, your personal interests or your company's interests align with the regulators on, and you were saying that you initially were doing these to avoid um, being defrauded, can you go into that? Like, a, how does how does that help you? I guess. Sure. So um, again, the model of the product is to have the card available in 
many thousands of retail locations worldwide. Uh, when we distribute the card, it is not loaded. So, which by the way is also in line with how other gift cards work. So, let's say if you're at the store and there's an Xbox gift card there, uh, or a stack of Xbox cards, you can kind of steal that stack of cards and run, run out of the store, but they're not loaded. It's just paper. It's right. the same with our card. Um, so the okay, the the situation that we need to protect ourselves against is one where. And a rogue employee, let's say, decides it's time to go with a stack of cards and the activation device. <laughs> um, so uh, we wanted to we want to make sure that we protect ourselves from those occasions uh, where the maximum amount of money that we can lose in such an occasion is is quite low. Uh, before uh, the system kicks in and start and, and, and basically cuts that uh, activation device off, as well as all of the cards that have been activated using that uh, activation device. Um, so again, it's dealing with daily thresholds, uh, daily threshold maximums, and both for redemption as well as uh, activation that allow us to to have a system that's uh, where we are fairly well, well protected against fraud where our losses in case of fraud are minimized and it's exactly those same systems that enable us to stay legally compliant very cool so um like on a user redemption end how is that enforced uh, because i know that within the app you can have multiple wallets right it's enforced on a per device and a per user um, profile basis. So okay. you can, you have to have multiple devices with multiple user profiles in order to redeem more than $250 per day. You can buy more than $250 per day. There, there are some kind of activation um, maximums as well. And we do have occasions where people buy multiple $250 cards uh, however, they have to be redeemed over multiple days, and the the app does a pretty good job communicating that to the customers. So we haven't had any pushback on that front. Gotcha. Um, so where I mean, and, and I understand that there there might be some security implications here. So if it, if this is something you can't answer, that's fine. But um, where are you guys getting the Bitcoin from or what is that process like in order to ensure that you have a sufficient amount, especially, and, and do you have a plan in place? I guess when you're talking about scaling up, sending these cards or having these cards available in lots of countries, do you have a plan to scale up to have enough Bitcoin available to, for customers to redeem? Right. So um, I can get into it a little bit. Uh, so we, um, we do, acquire bitcoin in real time when uh when the card is redeemed so maybe that's one one aspect of the product that i didn't uh, cover yet where uh the card holds the face value indefinitely uh so if you let's say you buy a hundred dollar card uh you pay a uh, hundred dollars plus the activation fee and then uh Regardless of Bitcoin price fluctuations, 
the card will always be able to be redeemable for exactly $100. So let's say you buy, buy the card today, uh, you hold it for a couple of weeks and give it to someone as a, as a gift. And let's say Bitcoin tanks 50% during those two weeks. The recipient will still be able to redeem exactly $100. So they will get $100.00 spot uh, price on Bitstamp which, by the way, is our main exchange. We, we integrate with multiple exchanges on the back end, but Bitstamp is the main one. Um, the reason we're able to do that and not be exposed to Bitcoin price volatility is that we basically market by at the time of redemption. So th- th- when the user redeems, we are running uh, our own hot wallet with some float liquidity to make redemptions uh, quick. So we send the user our own Bitcoin, exactly 100 bucks worth of Bitcoin. And then we um, market by exactly at that time to replenish our own hot wallet. Um, So to answer your original question, yes, absolutely. We have everything in place uh, to scale this um, to, to many thousands of locations both in terms of the actual technology and our kind of uh, server setup and, uh, you know, the ability to physically support that many users, as well as the required uh, liquidity uh, to do so as well. Cool, cool. Um, So, and, and this was something on the on the wallet side that I appreciated is that you well one it's non custodial right we we, we kind of talked about that a little bit you force the user to um, it's not a hard fast force but you you keep bugging them like we said to to back up their wallet it's not something that you have access to um, and it can send to uh, Segwit native address Beck thirty two addresses. Which is uh, which is nice. Uh, I've noticed some other um, large wallet providers don't have that uh, capability yet. Which is, um, you know, hopefully they'll get there. But it's nice that you, that yours already has that built in. Um, and then you also have this ability to you kind of alluded to it earlier to redeem into other wallets. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm I'm really glad to have. Uh... Have, have people noticed these things and, and thank you for those comments and I, I think when you uh, discovered us you tweeted about you, you actually had gone through our terms of service uh, I did. detail which not everybody does so I, I really appreciate that and you pointed out parts of our terms of service which are um, kind of uh, noticeably fair to the customer uh, which obviously, as I mentioned before, is our intention. But it's very nice when people kind of do the work to uh, dig deeper and see how this is set up. And then uh, it's nice to get recognized for it. So thanks for that. Um, so yeah, in the whole spirit of being fair to our users, uh, of course, we don't want to impose our wallet on people who might not want to use it. Uh, especially it's a version 1.0 wallet. Uh, so we still have, you know, quite a few things we'd like to do to improve it. Um, and we feel that pe- people should uh, use our wallet because they want to, not because they have to. 
So uh, during the redemption process, which I'll repeat, has to be initiated through our wallet for legal reasons. So basically, this is how it works. You you get the card, uh, you download the wallet. You one of the three options on the main screen is redeem Bitcoin. You press that, uh, which gives you the ability to scan the code on the card. At which point, we provide full uh, real time uh, price quote for the face value of the card. So let's say if it was a hundred dollar card. We'll give you a real-time quote of exactly how much you're going to receive. Uh, and we use Bitstamp for that predominantly. So at that point, you, you have your the price quote, and you can either say, okay, redeem, in which case the uh, the, the funds will be sent to the to your Rise wallet instance. Or you can set, you can select details and options instead of redeeming immediately, uh, which takes you to another screen, which uh, gives you the ability to um, paste or scan uh, the address of a third-party wallet where the coins will be uh, delivered directly. So in that case, the the funds never even hit our wallet. Uh, so. You don't need to pay the mining fee to transfer from our wallet to to your to a different wallet you might be using. Um, and um, by the way, uh, we pay the mining fee to deliver the to deliver the initial uh, funds. So you will actually receive exactly hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin either in your Rise wallet or your or another wallet that you're using. Very nice. Yeah, um, and so I tried. I tried both of those. Um, I um, yeah, it was it was a pretty simple process um, on both of those. Uh, my one, uh, I wouldn't even say it's really that much of a negative, just because a lot of people do it this way. But but the uh, the mining fee, if you want to transfer out of the wallet, like if you want to send to somebody else. Um, or another one of your wallets or whatever is, uh, is kind of the, I'm trying to think how you, how you worded it. It's like, uh, economy. Uh, let me see. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of generic terms. That, yeah, yeah. You have uh, set points, I guess is, is my thing instead of being fully customizable. And I know that's not, um, a hundred percent necessary, but, um, it's it's a personal preference for me. I like to be able to fully, you know, fully customize my fee because I'm I'm cheap. So I like to send things at like one or three sats per byte. But I agree completely. And we it's not necessarily even about being cheap. It's about um, not overpaying for transactions and not bumping other people's transactions fees by overpaying for your transactions, um, which I think happens a lot with uh, wallets out there. So the current implementation that we have tries to do, tries to estimate the most kind of optimal fee for each of the tiers kind of, uh, I forgot now what the, what terms we use, but let's say, you know, um, priority, normal, or economy, let's say something like that. So those yeah. are not hard set. They're kind of din- dynamically um, derived based on the state and the mempool and some other factors. Um, 
and I think there's room for improvement there, definitely. Uh, but uh, it totally makes sense to offer a custom option there where the user can say how many Satoshis per byte they want to pay. Uh, we would like to roll that feature out at the same time we roll out, uh, you know, uh, child pays for parents or replaced by fee or something like that, where if you kind of box yourself into a corner, which we would then, the wallet will allow you to do, let's say you do one Satoshi per byte and, uh, and let's say uh, the mempool remains continuously busy for many days. Uh, there should be a way about it for the user to bump the priority of that transaction so it gets settled um, kind of within the wallet. Uh, so I, I totally agree that this is a useful feature and I'd like to roll it out in tandem with the ability to uh, bump the priority. Okay, that makes sense. No, you're, you're right. And, uh, and especially if you're also trying to uh, always think of new users, um, and not yes. not letting themselves, not letting them get boxed into a corner. That makes sense. Okay. Every product decision we make, uh, we first take into account the brand new user, and then everyone else. Very cool. Um, let's see. Did I have other questions? I think we've gone over most of it. Oh, I I did have a question. This is just uh, maybe this is just me missing it. What when when you go into the settings of a wallet and you can, uh, or maybe it's the generic settings of the whole app. Let's see. Yeah, and you can set currency display, right? Um, there's there's that middle one that says um, Sats, microbits, millibits, Bitcoin. What? Once you do that, what determines what how much shows? Is it just how how much Bitcoin is there? Does that make sense? Yes. What I'm saying, like whether you see Bitcoin or Sats or millibits or whatever. Yes, that's another feature which uh, is maybe implemented a bit differently from most wallets out there, and we're um, we're we're still considering if that was the right approach. But essentially, we wanted to display amounts that are. Uh, mentally digestible by users who are not uh, used to working with fractions that are so common in Bitcoin. So instead of uh, showing 0.00 uh, something BTC, we uh, we thought that uh, saying 1.36 MBTC is something that... Uh, at least when it comes to the amount itself, that it's more digestible to to a brand new user. So 136 is something that they've seen before. It feels like an amount. Sure that we then need to explain what MBTC is, that this is these are millibitcoins. So that's the kind of the drawback. And I think we need to continue add, to add educational content into the wallet. We have quite a kind of long list of things we want to add. But this is another example where we're trying to keep this friendly to to new users. Yeah, yeah. I I personally have uh, most of my other wallets display in Sats, so I, I think especially as the Lightning Network expands. So that's why when I 
when I used it, I was surprised because I clicked that and I was expecting sats and I got um, millibits or microbits. I don't remember which one, but yeah. Yeah. I, I think the right approach would be to have several modes that you can kind of just switch through by just t tapping on the total. So you would switch through like and displaying things in sats makes perfect sense. We definitely that should be one of the modes that we have for sure. Uh, so maybe between uh, what we have sats and just straight up BTC with fractions uh, is like offer all of those three and let the user switch through. Yeah, I think that would be good. Um... Oh, this was the other thing I was going to ask about. I'm looking through the settings here because I knew there was something else. Uh, the merchant options. I see that that's a thing here. What? Uh, but I'm not a merchant, so I kind of can only make it one more option deep in here where it's asking for merchant code. What you want to talk about merchant options and if is that a current thing or is that more for the future? Well, it is a current thing. So. Uh, currently, uh, some merchants um, activate the cards using uh, our wallet. Uh, so uh, you don't need any special machinery or anything, any special systems. You simply, down as a merchant, you download uh, Rise Wallet, and we set you up with a merchant ID, which is a 16-digit code, basically. And once you enter that in the, in the merchant screen, you have the ability to um, activate cards. So we typically, when we set up a new merchant, we, we give them a key, we give them a stack of cards, and then uh, they can easily activate the card by scanning the barcode on it, the activation code. Um, and that whole merchant section of the app then opens up and there are a number of things there that, you know, built-in reporting for merchants, things like that. Um, and uh, people who are not merchants, they they can't go very far with that branch of the app. Hopefully it's not too confusing. No, that's fine. I, I wasn't sure if that meant uh, a merchant selling Rise gift cards or if that was, um, you know, some other... Um, wallet providers and exchanges and things have what they call merchant accounts where uh, let's say I'm selling something and I want to use them as the, as the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, like the payment POS kind of thing. Say again. I like a Bitcoin point of sale system. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know which one of those it was, but it, that makes, that makes sense that, that you've got one app to handle both your, the the end customer that's redeeming the cards as well as the the uh, merchants that are selling the cards so that's very cool thank you um okay well anything else that that you want to highlight that that i missed no i think we went through just about the entire product it's a fairly simple product at this point so it wasn't wasn't too hard and hopefully um We'll uh, have um, some news in the coming weeks and months regarding uh, wider availability of the product in terms of retail. Uh, so people who are interested in that should stay tuned to our uh, Twitter feed, uh, just at Rise Wallet. And um, hopefully we'll sign up more users and put more Bitcoin into the hands of the people. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm really excited about that. I will... I will definitely be watching and blasting out as soon as I see them showing up anywhere near me. So anyway, um, 
Melian, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. This has been this has been a lot of fun and very informative. Thank you for having me. Okay, so that was my interview with Milian. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I am really excited about Rise and um, just being able to buy over-the-counter with cash. And so here's hoping that that comes quickly to the U.S. and to other places. Um, I th- the more I think about it, there are some other cool um, applications, I guess you would say. So what is neat to me is to think about how since you can um, redeem to any wallet, you could basically use this to um, fund your lightning nodes directly. And um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. There's some other things as well, but y'all go check out Rise Wallet. Uh, Follow them on Twitter at Rise Wallet, and then you can see their site, um, risewallet.com. Obviously, they're in both the Google and iOS app stores. And what else? I think that's about it for them. I'll include um, my Twitter thread in the show notes from when I kind of looked over their terms of service. I encourage you to go to their website, risewallet.com, and you scroll down to the bottom and there's a link there to the terms as well and look through that. Um, It seems like they're really going for, you know, Bitcoin. I guess I I didn't ask him. I should have asked him specifically, but I kind of get the feeling that there are no plans for um, other altcoins um, just from the the conversations that we've had and stuff. So I guess that's really kind of it as far as the show. You guys know you can support the show at um, bottomshelfbitcoin.com slash donate, or you can, um, you know, obviously subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and share it with your friends. Um, the, um, the other cool thing is um, to go to ellencast.com and that lets you pay for episodes of podcasts over lightning. So it's a small fee. I think it's like something like seven or eight cents or something like that per episode. So that's very cool. And um, that's actually going to be my next interview, hopefully, um, if we can get the scheduling done, is um, is with Ellencast. So um, you guys can can hear more about Ellencast, but it's a, it's a cool thing. So anyways, all right, that's going to be it for this episode. From Bottom Shelf Bitcoin, I'm Josh Humphrey. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.